Welcome to Go Closer, the podcast that explores spiritual transformation and what it takes to go closer to God each day. Hi, I'm Kara Whitney. I'm a wife, a mom, and an evangelist author. And I'm Arnie Cole, a behaviorist, research scientist, and CEO of Back to the Bible. And I love to study life transformation. And you know, every person has a story. And today, we have a story that will inspire you to go closer. So today, we are going to talk to somebody a little bit younger, which is always exciting because you can run to the Lord and be a young guy and also have this incredibly hard background. Bryce had a mom that just was really busy. She worked three jobs because— Well, she had to to survive. I mean, wow. Dad left. And he was left alone as this middle schooler, which is a hard age anyway. That's the worst time. Yeah. And so he's trying to deal with life. Um, and he's, you know, not in a church setting. There's nothing like that. And so you can imagine how incredibly alone Bryce was when I say that was because something awesome happened in his life. And Of course, it's Jesus. So let's listen to Bryce's story. It's a great story of how to go closer to Jesus, regardless of your circumstances. Uh, I love your story, Bryce. It's it's not an easy story, so it's probably not one you love, but it got you to Jesus. So I'm really glad you're saved, and Jesus has changed you. Can you just tell everybody a little bit of your story? Like where you grew up and and what your family was like, what led you to the Lord? So growing up, I'm from Lincoln, um, cool place. (laughs) Um, Basically, our family is kind of put together in pieces (laughs) is kind of how I describe it. It's it's, uh, a broken family that because they're broken, they're closer. Do any of them know the Lord? I would say if you asked them, they would say yes. So if you talk to them, if you ask them, like, are you a Christian or like, do you believe in God? Most of them would say yes. My my cousin who's been married twice, he would say no. He's an avid atheist. But yeah, if you asked if you asked my mom, she would say, yeah, we grew up going to church with my grandma. We went to youth group. But for them, it was really just like go to church on Sunday and then do whatever else the rest of your time, you know. Like we always had a Bible in our house on the shelf, but never opened it, <laughs> never talked about it, you know, things like that. So I would say the person who's probably the most Christian um, legitimately in my family was my grandma, but she passed away just a couple of years ago. So, Okay. I identify with that. We have Bibles all over our house. No one ever read them. <laughs> yeah. No one knew any theology. If you asked them if they believed in the Lord, yeah, why not? Because it beats <laughs> the alternative, right? Exactly, yeah. So, okay, and then uh, your life after that, like there's no religion going on, okay. there's mentions of God, and then you get older. Yeah, so so growing up, like I said, um, we were really poor. So growing up, we never had any like religious background, blah, 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 things like that. And I didn't have much time to spend with my family anyway, just because in middle school, I think I was just starting middle school, I was about 10 years old, that's when... Um, my dad got a job working in Kansas, and he called our family and just basically said, hey, I'm not coming back. And so that kind of started the trend of, like, everyone in my family working overtime. Um, my sister was working three jobs in high school. She's, like, five or six years older than me. 
and just like nobody had any time for me. So I was kind of just like chilling on my lonely. <laughs> I'd get up with everybody at like 6 a.m. And then I would just go wait out at the bus stop for the bus in middle school. And so middle school was probably the lonely. toughest time in my life. Yeah, really lonely. So what do you mean your dad said he's just not coming home? I mean, that was just oh, yeah. it? <laughs> so, yeah, I could unpack that. So. So he worked construction, did a lot of mason work, bricklaying, things like that. And he was his own boss. So he started working this job in Kansas and he was down there for about a month. And one day he literally just called up my mom and he said, hey, I've been down in Kansas for a while, you know, like he, he came up one weekend, went back, but he called and was like, hey, I found someone. I'm not coming back. Like we're over, like I'm done, I'm out kind of. And so they were together for 14 years. They never got married. And Nebraska doesn't have the common law marriage, so they weren't married by default, you know. So basically, yeah, after 14 years, they he just called and said, I found someone else and I'm going to be with her and I'm not coming back. And what was that relationship like between you and him then? Yeah, Did was he... that devastating to you? So it was weird for me, like thinking back, I... On two two parts, I won. I kind of didn't really know what was going on. I didn't understand. I thought, like... You know, like, what? why? <laughs> like, why would he do that? Um, but on the other hand, like, my sister was devastated and my mom was devastated. But at that age, I don't think I had time to process what was going on because, like, he left and he gave us the phone call. And for, like, a day or two, we were like, oh, like, I okay, I guess, like, I'll maybe see him a couple times a year as opposed to, like, every day. So I was trying to, like, figure that out. But my sister was dating this guy and our neighbor um, was friends with her kind of. But she was really, really upset because she liked this guy. And it was, she's a really toxic friendship group there. The friend who was upset at my sister enlisted these guys to come like egg our house. They slashed my mom's tires and my sister's tires. They poured sugar down my sister's gas tank. They like wiped animal feces all over our back patio, like TP'd our house, um, vandalized a car that was my mom's friend's that was under our carport, just like wrote a bunch of stuff, smeared it all over the windows, slashed the tires, things like that. And so it was like pretty intense stuff. It wasn't just like, oh, you dated this guy and I'm upset. It was like, oh, we're gonna completely vandalize your house, like dent your shed in, like break a window. And yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't good. And then in that same time frame. It's like hard to remember which happened first because there was like three things that all happened at once. It was my dad left. My mom got fired from her job. Oh, my god. I think that's what it was. I think he left and it was like within that week she got fired from her job. And then it was like she had the new car and two days later everything got vandalized. So we went from like him making most of the money in our in our family and stuff to losing all of his income and my mom losing her job with like two kids to raise. So. It was pretty tough. It was really tough. So it was hard to focus on like, oh, dad's not going to be here. And more like, are we going to be able to eat dinner tonight? Or do we just need to wait till tomorrow? And so that's kind of what like it became, our reality became. Right. And within a couple weeks time, you're completely dumped on. Anybody you're counting on has let you down. Bosses, your dad, friendships. So you're even more lonely. Yeah, that started out middle school really negative. <laughs> and so I didn't have money or we didn't have money in our family for like clothes or anything. Like my grandma was giving us her social security. My aunt took out her retirement. My mom took out her retirement just so we could like pay the bills and stay afloat, like pay the water bill. <laughs> so started off middle school, terrible, had a slew of terrible haircuts as well, just to add on, you know, um, it was just like, I've had those awkward, 
you know, got bullied probably the same as every other kid. But it wasn't until high school that things really started looking up. So I was done with middle school. Awkward phase. No one likes it. <laughs> so I got out of there. Whew, thank goodness. <laughs> I always um, say, Bryce, that if this was, you know, before I knew about the Lord, but I always say if I died and went to hell, I would go back to middle school. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, yeah, it would be, <laughs> that would be the perfect hell. But yeah, things looked up when I got to high school. So I went to Lincoln High, which everybody calls the ghetto school. And everyone's afraid that if you go there, you'll get stabbed or shot. That's what everyone told me when I chose to go there. But honestly, what it actually is, is it's a community that's so diverse that like people don't pick on other groups of people because everybody's kind of involved in the same things. And so like everybody's a part of every clique. Were you looking for a restart there? Is that why you chose that? Honestly, so my my eighth grade year, I would I did a play in middle school, and I really liked it. I thought, you know, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be an actor. You know, I'll be famous someday. There was just a really, really solid community of people who didn't care what you looked like, how you sounded, who you were. They were just going to accept you. And so it's like <laughs> it's like reflective of why Christianity makes sense to me now is because I like clung to this group of like outcast people who were like obnoxious and didn't care what anybody thought about them and like accepted everyone. And so I was like, theater's cool. I'm going to do theater. So I decided, okay, like I'm going to go be my own person, fresh start, do theater there because their program's amazing and best choice I ever made. (laughs) And so you got involved in a group with Campus Life. Mm -hmm. Did they approach you then? And then just say what Campus Life is. So... Kind of how it worked at our school was the first Tuesday of every month um, during the class day, there was clubs all over campus. So there was like C4 Club, which is just like a kind of similar to Campus Life. There was Campus Life. There was like Asian Heritage, like, you know, which they made the best food and they said everyone's welcome to come and try the food. So I went to that one a lot. But I went to Campus Life because it was the biggest. It was like that and C4 were the biggest. There was like about 100 and 200 students that would go to these clubs. And they always had food and games, and it was just a super fun, just like safe place to go. Jason Hawkins was the guy who was in charge of it. So what Campus Life is, is it's um, a Christian outreach program into like high schools. So Campus Life for me, what it was is they came to campus uh, or they came to our school, handed out flyers for what they were going to do that night. It was like Tuesday nights. You'd meet up at the church, at 180 Church, and spend the first like hour or two that you're there hanging out, playing games, playing basketball, uh, maybe doing some activities that seemed like like intentional focus activities and slowly throughout the night, start getting engaged and finish the night off with like spiritual stuff and like opening, opening your mind and eye towards like Christianity. So that was what Campus Life was. And then you were approached by this Jason Hawkins and he started telling you about Jesus. How yeah. did they start talking to you about the Lord? Did they, did, were you kind of annoyed or were you? Mm, no, I, w- I was into it. I mean, I, I would never say that I was a Christian growing up, but I definitely knew about God and I knew, like I knew who God was, like you learn about it in school. I don't know if it was school or what it was, but like I was pretty focused and paying attention to what was going on. And then with Jason, what drew you to him? Was he much older than you? Yeah, so he's like he's a father of three kids. His oldest kid right now is in college, a sophomore in college. So he's he's like in his 40s, maybe 50s. Pretty old. Maybe 60. No, it's kidding. He's <laughs> probably like 46. I don't know. But um, yeah, he's older than me. I started going to the campus life at night thing because my friend Lexi went there and we were best friends and she told me it's super awesome. You should come. I went once or twice. I just barely missed like the the peak 
interest level. It was like just barely not enough to keep me going. I was like, I don't know. I don't have a car. I don't have a ride. I have to like walk there sometimes or get a ride from a friend. And then trying to figure out rides with my mom was really hard because she wasn't off work till six. So I was either doing theater at school or hanging out until she came to pick me up. So Campus Life was kind of a cool idea, but I just didn't have a way to get there. One day I'm out skateboarding across Lincoln. I'm like skateboarding from my aunt's house to the mall, which is like like a 25 minute drive probably. So for me, it's like over an hour to get there skateboarding. <laughs> so I'm on some back road, some random place. And I see as I'm coming up the sidewalk, he pulls up the intersection and he's looking at me and I'm kind of looking at him because like we can tell we know each other a little bit. And he rolls down his window and he's like, hey, don't I know you? And I said, yeah, you're that campus life guy, right? I didn't know his name. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he even knew my name, but he asked me, he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm Jason. He's like, in year, and I said, hey, I'm Bryce. And he asked me what I was doing, and I said, I'm skateboarding to the mall, and he about freaked out, because he's like, what? You're going all the way to the mall? That's like miles away, what are you doing? And so he asked me if I needed a ride. <clears throat> I told him, like, I didn't want to bother him, you know? I was really trying to, like, not put any pressure on him, but he just kept insisting he was being a nice guy. Um, he's like, seriously, it's on my way, which is a lie, it was completely out of his way. But it was on his way for God, is what he says. <laughs> so <laughs> he um, convinced me to give me a ride at the mall, eventually through that conversation and through that car ride convinced me to give campus life another try so i came back the next tuesday and just started falling in love with it like i felt like i had a reason to be there you know he wanted me to be there i went it was just a really great night got in touch with some spiritual stuff that was really really cool and then i just kept going so if it wasn't for that i probably would never have gone back like lexi told me it was cool i tried it didn't think i liked it and so i was never going to go back and then he convinced me to give it one more try and that's what hooked me on it I think the biggest thing that I picked up on Bryce's story today, Arnie, was that how one person can make a difference in a lonely kid's life. Oh, man, that is so true. And that person just made an adjustment in their busy schedule for a kid who really didn't matter to anyone. Uh, tremendous story. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but you do have a ministry outside of being CEO of Back to the Bible. You also have a horse ministry where, and you know, that's when I started writing um, that connection I had with horses because of loneliness. And so, you know, your horse ministry, you can bring kids in at Stillwater's Equestrian Academy, and it gives that kid purpose and they get around other people who are like oh, yeah. the importance of how one person or one ministry can make a person can change a person and make a difference so tomorrow when we talk to bryce we're gonna see what happened the side effect of that one person getting involved it's an awesome story today's go closer podcast is powered by go tandem the free spiritual fitness app Find the link in today's description and go closer with Go Tandem.